All right. Welcome back. It's been a minute. NBA talk on the KD pod. I got Jared back with me today. We're going to be talking about the Eastern Conference. Um, Jay Pizzi, what's up, man? What's going on? Season is uh, about to start. We got some media day going on. Uh, it was a tough July and August to get through, but we're we're finally here. Yeah, we had some FIBA basketball holding us off here and there, but yesterday was media day, and you know it's we're really starting to feel um, the start of season coming here. So, without further ado, today is going to be our Eastern Conference preview. Um, little formatting here: we're we're going to go through our top fifteen standings, um, one through fifteen, and an X factor for each of the teams that make the playoffs um, in our own respective lists. And then we're going to look at the top three offenses and the top three defenses for the Eastern Conference. So starting off here, let's just go with our top seed and compare here. From my list at the top, I have Milwaukee at number one. We'll finish with the best record. Giannis, I think it's going to be you know, his peak, if not maybe one year prior, but I think he's at his absolute peak. Um, who did you have at number one? Yeah, so just to clarify, this is uh, who we think will have the most wins after 82 regular season games, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a little crazy to to uh to not have the bucks here um in terms of regular season i think actually the top i'd say the top three or four are pretty i would say i would call them interchangeable i think i actually think four teams in the eastern conference can get up to 50 55 wins um but i would pick the bucks to be uh that number one team with with the easy chance to hit 60 wins i would say um but if things you know if, if certain things happen i think the bucks could also only end up winning 50 or 55 and that's why i think uh you know, there's four teams that are really could compete for this number one spot. But, yeah, I would agree with you there. I think the Bucks are the best team. As we've talked about at length, uh, I think they make the, the NBA Finals last year if they have a healthy roster. And, uh, yeah, I think they just keep it rolling from their 2021 championship year. Yeah, for Milwaukee, it's I think they're not as deep as a lot of these other teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think a lot of other teams added to their rosters while Milwaukee didn't at all. Um, so, you know, that makes them more vulnerable to one injury here or there in the playoffs. And we saw it last year with Chris Milton, you know, that was huge for them uh, missing that. So you mentioned the top four. I think we could agree here who the top four is. It's just about our order. So huge caveat right here is the recent um, scandal coming out of Boston with M.A. Udoka. Um, as a Celtics fan, that's just soured any sweet taste that came out of the offseason um, with their addition of Malcolm Brogdon. And then you sprinkle some uh, Robert Williams injury on top of it, which honestly, I'm glad he got um, a second surgery. But the top four here, I'll, I'll run through mine real quick. I have Milwaukee at the top, and then I have Philly second, um, Boston third, and Brooklyn fourth. 
what was your top four? And then we'll, we can uh, compare and contrast the X factors for this top four. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put the Sixers at number two as well. Uh, I think they're going to be really impressive in the regular season. And uh, yeah, the, the Nets and the Celtics are yeah, the two teams I root pretty hard against. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to put the Nets ahead of the Celtics um, just so that uh, when the Nets do well, I, I get a little bit of uh, joy from predicting that they would do well. Um, I don't think there's a huge argument to put the Nets in front of the Celtics other than uh, yeah, crazy stuff can happen. I, I am pretty optimistic about the Nets season. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to put them ahead of the Celtics here. But like I said, I think all four teams are are really impressive. Probably the probably the best top four we've had in the Eastern Conference in a long time. So um, nothing really against the Celtics. I think all four are gonna eclipse fifty wins and and compete with each other. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely I would give Boston the edge over Brooklyn because of how much better their defense is, and it seemed like it's only gonna get better with with Brogdon coming off the bench. Um, you know, he's he's a really good defender at the end of the day. And they were one of the best defenses last year of all time. If you look at net rating, advanced stats, um, and you saw that in their run to the finals. They are locked down on the perimeter. And then when you have a shot blocker like Robert Williams in the paint, um, you know, they're an all-time defense. I think it's fair to say that. So going through the X factors for these top four, um, which I think all four of these teams, you know, if in, there's an injury here, I think they all have legitimate um, possibilities to win the NBA Finals. Starting with Milwaukee, I have their three-point shooting from their center spot. So whoever is going to finish the game, whether that's Portis or Lopez, um, can they shoot high 30s uh, from three? Because that's going to allow them to have rim protection alongside Giannis. And it's just a, a huge dynamic for their defense. Philly is Harden, of course. Um, is this magical renaissance with him losing 100 pounds? Uh, man, he must have been 350 last year playing if he lost 100 pounds. Um, you know, looking, you know, I have some stats here for Harden with this X factor. Um, here we go. We're back. We're back in our, in our prime. Uh... Prime debate now. Let's get it. Yeah. I, you know, his, his peak year when they traded away Clint Capella, um, 34, 7, and 6 on 44, 35, 86 shooting. Um, you know, he was getting the ball a ton. His usage was through the roof. He starts the season in Houston, completely tanks, has a, um atrocious approach to his final days in Houston. That season, he goes for 25, 11, and 8. So he drops 10 points per game in one season, uh, shoots a percentage or two higher from two. His shooting is just slightly better. And then last year, his hamstring hangover year, apparently, um, 22, 10, and 8 on 41, 33, 87. So a significant decline in, in points and shooting while he, his new point guard role that he had for Brooklyn carrying over into Philly also drops slightly. Um, 
my question here, which I, I'd love to hear your answer is this renaissance, what does this look like? What, where, where does the upward trend happen for Harden in this year 14, 2022, 2022, 2023 season come from? What does it look like? Yeah, well, I'll take the floor and uh, I'll, I'll make my case for why I think the Sixers will have a successful season and that obviously uh, it lies on the shoulders of, of James Harden. I'm looking at his basketball reference right now, which is what you had up. Um, we're obviously not going to relitigate his whole career, but um, in the last two years, he has six rows because he's been on uh, technically four teams, three franchises, but four four different seasons because uh, he was traded in twice in the last two years. Um, as you said, his numbers declined pretty much from each trade that happened. Uh, I would like to mention that in 2021, not last season, but the season prior, while his scoring did go down, as you mentioned, and he was playing more of a, a point guard role, I think everyone can sort of agree that it was a successful season for him before the hamstring. Once he was in Brooklyn uh, for weeks, he was sort of playing without. Durant was out with an injury and Kyrie was was missing in action and Harden played really well. He was almost in the MVP conversation. So all that to say, um, I thought he played pretty excellently uh, only, you know, 18 months ago. And uh, I'm expecting him to sort of get back to to that level in terms of what that level looks like. I know we've talked about this on multiple podcasts already. Um, I think his burst will come back um, and uh, we'll have to see. He seems like he's healthier than he was last year. Um, and it's actually pretty, it's a stark comparison to, to Ben Simmons in terms of the communication that he's provided to the fans. Um, a lot of what Ben Simmons has said recently has sort of deflected his, his flaws and his, um, you know, kind of blamed all of his issues on whether it was his mental health or, you know, his former teammates. Um, and what I've liked about James Harden's comments this summer is that, um, Although he is blaming all of his failures on his hamstring, he he is acknowledging that he is not the same player he used to be. He is acknowledging I am not at an MVP level right now. He is acknowledging that he has better days ahead of him. Um, compared to Ben, I think every time Ben speaks, he acts like he's the number one player in the world. And I think James sort of had this summer of humility where he had to look at himself and say, hey, I wasn't good last year. Um, and I'm hoping that the hamstring looks better. He looks quicker. Back to your original question. I think he's going to be able to blow by guys. I think his ISO game is going to improve from last year. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that, but I, but I would say, I, I do think he had, I think he was humbled last year and he had a bunch of quotes about how he, he hated how he played last season. He absolutely hated it. Cause he knew he could look himself in the mirror and know like, I'm not that guy anymore. And uh, yeah, I think he has the realization that he wants to be that guy again. And uh, time will tell how he looks, but I, I do think the burst will be back. I do think his scoring will go up. Um, his teammates are better. Uh, he's got, he's got an easier sort of role to play on the team. So uh, yeah, that's my long winded answer. So with Philly, I love the PJ Tucker edition. 
I think he's um, a dog. He's that wing defender that they desperately needed. Uh, my only problem is he's nearly 38. Uh, you know, when when does his ability to slide his feet start to decline? Because when you're 38 years old, um, the drop-off is significant uh, year to year, especially when you're playing 82 games. Uh, with Harden, this this burst you're talking about uh, is is a myth. His biggest skill is is his deceleration. Um, in all the combine tests, in all these tests, he was average in athleticism, in vertical jump, in shuttle speed, in all these agility moves and acceleration skills. His best skill is his deceleration. Um, now maybe losing a hundred pounds or however much will help with that. I think that's, that'll be great for him. But that explosiveness, you rarely see that come back in an age 34, 35 season, um, no matter what the athlete is. Um, and with Harden, he's a below average speed athlete. He works on pace and deceleration. Um, so if he can create more space, if he can, I think his best, ability that he can improve on is his shooting and his efficiency from the floor. Now, seeing the drop from 46 with the Nets to 42 and then 36 to 33, I only really see a decline with, you know, an injury like a hamstring. Shooting is not much dependent on athleticism, um, but to see his shooting stats go down because of whatever the case, I think that's an, that's a, another red flag. Um, but with Philly, you're lucky because you got Embiid. That's the main guy. Um, if he can have another MVP year, that's going to be huge. So, man, we could talk about Philly all day long. We could talk about – I need I need a quick, I need a quick rebuttal, and I, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that it's not actually burst. You know, that's the term people use. But to your point, uh, it says deceleration. Um, you obviously know sports science much better than me. Um, I have to imagine feeling healthier will help you with your deceleration. I don't know for sure. I can see that. Um, And so, yeah, that's what I'm sort of expecting. Uh, You're definitely right to be skeptical. With the shooting stuff, 100%, he could be more efficient. Uh, But we all know how he gets all the shots. They're all self-created. He refuses to take shots off the catch. So his his shooting is down because he has no space anymore. so if he wants to completely change his game and start shooting off the catch, I would agree with you. But uh, the shooting percentage is going to be directly correlated off, uh, you know, the space he's creating. So that it didn't it didn't surprise me his shooting was down because he wasn't getting as much space. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, we we shall see if that extra space, maybe another step to that step back, can be added in there somewhere. Um, so with continuing on the X factors here, Boston. It's Robert Williams. Um, he's such a game changer on defense, and he's just – can he stay healthy? Um, and then with Brooklyn, it's going to be Ben Simmons. Can he be a small ball five like Giannis? I have no idea. So, what? compare and contrast some X factors here. Who did, who did you have for your top four? I think we agreed on Harden, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, and Brooklyn. Yeah, I think uh, Harden and Ben are the two easiest ones. They're 
two of the biggest S factors in the whole league. They're two of the more interesting players to watch because they're so volatile. Um, when I, when I hear X factor, I think of, you know, the volatility of a player, you know, how much, how bad can it be? How great he can be. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Harden's obviously very volatile. He was ESPN ranked him the 11th best player in the NBA. Um, he could go much lower. He could probably stay right there. You don't know. And then the Ben situation, obviously is the most volatile player in the NBA. Sometimes he plays, sometimes he doesn't, um, which is saying a lot considering his teammates, Kyrie Irving. So, I actually put Kyrie down as as sort of the X factor I wanted to discuss. Um, obviously, he's been uh, missing in action a bunch in the last two years, and uh, I think if he can just you know stay around the team, not go on, not have absences, you know, COVID won't be an issue. Just him and KD being healthy, just the two of them, regardless of the Ben situation, I think will be huge for them. Um, create some stability and and lead them to a ton of wins. Um, so Kyrie is interesting to me just to be able to watch him play a full 82 games, hopefully. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything. I, I, I'd say I agree with the, the Bucks and the Celtics, um, as well. All right. So then we'll, we'll move on here to five through eight in the East. We had a, man, we had an influx of talent come into the East in the off season, um, specifically in Atlanta and Cleveland. That's who I have in my five and six. I have Atlanta finishing fifth and then Cleveland finishing sixth. Atlanta, um, I love the, the fit of DeJounte Murray alongside Trey Young. Um, he's a primary ball handler that's going to be a secondary ball handler. He's an incredible defender. Um, you know, makes up for about everything that Trey doesn't do well um, on the defensive end and on the offensive end. And then we're going to see if he can unlock this Trey Young moving off screens like he's Steph Curry type of off-ball offense um, that is really deadly with a three-point shooter like like Trey Young. But at Atlanta, I had DeAndre Hunter as the uh, X factor here. I think he's a quiet, really talented player that was drafted, you know, only fourth overall maybe three years ago. Um, and it's the question of like, can he be more than just a three and D player? Um, because if he is three and D, great. He's a big, big wing, big wing who can shoot and defend. Um, but I think he can be more than that. And if he can do that with Collins, Capella, Bogdanovich off the bench, and a lot of the younger cats that they have, Atlanta can be really good. Um, and then with Cleveland, it's Donovan Mitchell, like, how is he going to fit there? How does he fit with all these young guys? Because um, Cleveland was building something really good. So that's my five and six. Who did you have there? Yeah, I have the Cavs at fifth. I really like what they did. Obviously, really competitive last year. I rate Donovan Mitchell much higher than um, DeJounte Murray. So I'm sort of putting the Cavs ahead of the Hawks in that sense. Um they were very close to each other. Uh, they were eight and nine, I believe, in the regular season last year. So they're pretty much the same team. And then they both got – they both traded for uh, for All-Stars. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell's just sort of better than DeJounte Murray. So that's why I put the Cavs ahead of them. I really like Darius Garland. I think he's going to go up a level. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the Cavs. They're a super fun team. I'd put them fifth. And I actually have the Hawks all the way down in the eighth spot. Um, nothing necessarily against them. Um, 
might just be from a lack of watching the Spurs last year, honestly. But uh, yeah, I have two teams in between them, and I think those are the two teams you probably have seventh and eighth. So who who do you have sixth? Um, so I have the Heat sixth, um, just out of respect for what they've done in the past. Typically, have really good regular seasons. Were you know somehow first in the East last year with with you know being led by Jimmy Butler, who you know traditionally doesn't play a ton of minutes or necessarily even that hard in the regular season so uh, you know i respect their organization i'm going to put them in the sixth spot considering um you know they lost pj tucker but besides that they're pretty much bringing back the whole gang so for them to slide from one to you're gonna have them seven it is a pretty is a pretty far drop so i'm gonna keep them at the sixth spot and uh yeah i guess my sixers bias here i'm putting the raptors seventh um face them in a tough first round matchup last year and they were completely banged up, and they still brought the six just to six games. Uh, really like their team, like the philosophies of their team. Great coach. So I'm going to have the Raptors mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, I had Miami sliding all the way to eight. Um, I think losing P.J. Tucker is a huge playoff piece that they're going to miss. Um, then you look just at so, – He's just so old, though, Kyle. He is old, but it was last year for him. And then who's going to substitute for him in Miami? Um, you know, the, the X factor that I have for them are who's going to fill that spot. And that's that's a blend of Nikola Jovic and Haywood Highsmith. And you're like, if you're thinking of those two guys as X factors, uh, Miami's really thin. They're incredibly thin. Um, last year against the Celtics, they were playing a lot of lineups with Jimmy Butler at the four which is not sustainable. Um, your point to him not playing a lot in the regular season kind of pushes them further down the standings rather than up. Um, Kyle Lowry is 38, 37. He's getting a year old, and he looked terrible in the playoffs. Um, and then you're re- relying on a blend of Struess and um, we got 10 more minutes here. You're relying on a blend of Struess and Duncan Robinson and kind of just G League guys to fill this these wing spots that are incredibly important to guard Giannis's, Jason Tatum's, uh, Kevin Durant's in the playoffs that I don't think Miami has or has the ability to fill. Um, you know, you heard you can't really put Victor Oladipo at the three or four position and expect him to guard up anywhere. So. With, with five, six, Atlanta five, Cleveland six, Toronto seven, I think they're going to just be a year older with all those younger long wings. I think Scotty Barnes, their X factor there, growing as an offensive player. Um, and that's the top eight there with, with Toronto seven, Miami eight. You just – you just insulted Victor Oladipo. I think that's a first on this podcast or probably ever coming out of your mouth. Um, yeah, yeah. because my, my point was he's, uh, you know, he's like a sneaky, oh, where did he come from off the bench in the playoffs? And we saw it. And he was, eh, he was all right. You know, he was cool. He, he wants to be like an all-star when he's just not even close to that. So it's like, all right, now he's a known commodity. They didn't even want to sign him for more than like a minimum one year. That kind of shows his value around the league. Um, so his X factorness is pretty much gone. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I had Chicago going through eight. 
uh, 9-10. I had Chicago and Detroit at 10. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they made a lot of good offseason moves, but who'd you have? Yeah, I didn't have Detroit that high, but, I mean, they're going to be obviously awesome to watch. Just, you know, just to sort of summarize about how, how good this Eastern Conference has got, you have the, the Heat at eight. I have them at six. They were obviously the first seed last year. The Bulls spent, you know, a ton of time as the number one seed last year. We both have them at nine. So, uh, yeah, the East has just gotten really impressive over the last 12 months. Um, it really should be it really should be fun. I have the I have the Hornets 10th. Um, the other options are the Wizards, the Knicks, the Magic, the Pistons, um, all sort of competing for that 10th spot. But uh, I'll go with I'll go with Lamelo here at the 10th spot. What do um What do you think is going to happen with Demar Derozan? Because I have him as my X factor. Can't imagine he has a season as good as he did last year. So uh, that's right. kind of why I'm I'm not that optimistic about them. Yeah, that was that was a, a renaissance, unforeseen. I think it was a, a you know new change of scenery that he ended up filling in really well. They had some injuries here and there with Lonzo out with a player and Pat Williams that I think is their X factor. He was out. So he ended up having a huge weight on his shoulders and he started playing well and that momentum carried him through two thirds of the season maybe. And then they started to come back to life and show who they kind of actually are, which is um, a guard heavy team with no rim protection and uh, very limited defensive wings that they they really need uh, but that's what Pat Williams does I you know see him working out with Drew Hanlon in the offseason who I think is a spectacular uh, game-changing skill development coach and he's that 6'8 6'9 multi-positional defender that fills that gap between a scoring forward like DeMar and whatever big they're going to throw out there um, Vooch is on the way down. I like how they got Drummond, a legit backup big. They're not just playing Tony uh, Tony Bradley, 25 minutes or spot starts here and there. I like that fit. But, you know, they're trying to fill these these defensive important positions with, with cleaner guys and with pretty below average guys. So that's a huge problem for them because their perimeter defense is spectacular. You know, I'm, I'm a Caruso stan. I love Lonzo. They're they're great on the perimeter, but you know, if you don't have any rim protection and then you have no big wings to defend all these players that I just mentioned, um, it's going to be tough for Chicago to defend. Um, so then, my last pick with Detroit, I think Cade Cunningham makes a big jump this year. Um, I think you see him really f- coming into that big playmaker position like you see a Luka Doncic doing. Um, is he going to get to that level? No, but I like Ivy. I think he's going to be a cool side uh, contrast in the backcourt to him. I like Bogdanovich, who they just got. I like Sadiq Bay a lot. They added shooting around Cade, which is great. They have young bigs who are athletic and are going to run, set screens and roll with Duran and, and Stewart. Um, you know, they just got a lot of young guys that I think if they get the, you know, the right vibes going in Detroit, they could actually, you know, make a play in. And every every other team that is in the bottom here, it's kind of trending downward, trying to figure out who they are. Um, Charlotte at 10 for you. I think that's only going to be 
because of Clifford, he's going to squeeze a lot of wins out of those young guys. He's a, you know, kind of a um, Thibodeau type coach. Every game's a game seven. Um, so who are your X factors for those last three teams? Yeah. Um, I'll go with Mello and just seeing how, you know, how, how high he can go up. Uh, obviously made the all-star game last year, maybe as a reserve, but remember in that all-star game, he was, he was playing with all the superstars by the end. Cause he was just so much fun to watch in that game, throwing alley-oops. And that was sort of his welcome to the league moment where, oh, this, this kid born in 2001 might be, you know, here to stay. So I'm really looking forward to continuing watching him, seeing, you know, how, just how high up he can go. Um, regarding uh Cade he was ranked 35th on the ESPN top 100 it's just you know amazing considering he's going to be a second year player uh yeah. LaMelo LaMelo was rated 41 so even below Cade so both of those guys are going to be pretty spectacular um yeah and that's all I have I know we only have a few more minutes so you want to go through uh top three offenses and defenses we think we're gonna come out of the yeah, east we're- we got we got three more minutes here, so let's uh, let's go through it. So offense, I have Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Philly for offenses. Like it, yeah. Atlanta's obviously super powered. I think they had the second best offense last year, which is incredible because their record yep. stunk. Um, I'm gonna. I had the Nets first and the Sixers third as well uh, for all the reasons we discussed. I'm gonna have the Bucks second just because um, if I think they're gonna do that great, I think they have to have an excellent offense um, as simplified as that is. So it's kind of more reflecting the the standings than anything, but yeah, the Hawks would be, would be my fourth team. What, uh, what are the defenses for you? I had Boston, Milwaukee, and then Toronto as my defenses. Similar. Yes. Same pattern as me. I, so I had the Celtics first and the Raptors third. Um, didn't have the Bucks there. Had the Cleveland Cavaliers, so yeah, we shall see. I, yeah, that double see that. big will work. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, you know, Mobley is similar to Giannis in that type of free ranging. And then Jared Allen's a spectacular defender himself. Um, it's just about the wings for them. You know, do they have that the important wing defender that can switch all around? Um, who is it for them now? Coro, like. He's not a starting caliber player. It's going to be Levert or Jetty Osmond or someone at the three. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. All right. So that's our Eastern Conference right there. Um, pretty thorough run through right there. You know, we didn't really touch on the bottom of the barrel, which is always a little interesting. I had Washington, Charlotte, New York, Orlando, and then Indiana. Do you have those last ones ranked up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I got the the Wizards, Knicks, Magic, Pistons, Pacers. So have your have your Pistons pretty low. It's going to be fun to watch this year, man. Um, well, Jerry, I always appreciate you coming on, chopping it up. NBA, we're going to have to do this um, pretty frequently, but we're both some working men. So we got to figure that out, work-life balance. Um, yeah, man, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Kyle.